This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. We are on the first full day of the annual U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meeting in Baltimore. For those that might not know this, Baltimore is by tradition the preeminent seat in the United States, considered first among equals, which is why the annual meeting of the bishops is taking place there right now, as it does every year. Yesterday, there was a demonstration of Catholic men outside the conference, which again seems to happen every year for things like accountability and demanding the bishops do their, you know, actual jobs of promoting the gospel and keeping our family members safe from all the problems they've had and the church has had in America in the last 20 years or so. The bishops had a whole list of items on their agenda covered for this meeting. And the Synod of Synodality is the backdrop against which this meeting is taking place. The Synod overshadows everything that's taking place. Today, the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States is addressing the bishops at their conference, though what he'll talk about is anyone's guess. We could place an informal bet on whether he'll use words like rigid or neo-pharisaical or some synonym thereof in his message from Francis to the bishops of the country that most seems to irk him. Among their action items includes the approval of a revised version of the anointing of the sick, as well as the lay ministry to the sick both of which would be strange anomalies in church history, but since we are now in a conciliar synodal church of the new advent, anomalies in church history are just kind of par for the course at this point. Tomorrow they'll be tackling hugely important items like approving uh, a revision of the USCCB document on participating in civic discourse and the choosing of secular leaders, but this time the official USCCB document will include the wisdom of Francis and his official teachings which I think is just great. I can't wait to see how muddy the teaching on how to be a good Catholic citizen is going to get after they're done with that sort of document, especially by adding Francis's wisdom to it. The bishops will also be deciding whether they'll be pursuing the causes of canonization for three Americans. Ser Servant of God, Michelle Dupont, Servant of God, Cora Louise Evans, and Servant of God, Mother Margaret Mary Healy Murphy foundress of the Sisters of the Holy Spirit and Mary Immaculate. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not familiar with any of these figures, but in general, I know that many people watching this will be suspicious because many of us are simply suspicious of any canonizations and beatifications since the Council, but especially ones done by Francis. And I don't mean to poison the well by saying that, it's simply a statement of fact. Many people are suspicious of the canonizations in our time, and for good reason. But aside from that, the USCCB aren't tackling anything of note. Did you notice what's missing from their agenda? No mention of people leaving the church in droves. No mention of the Ted McCarrick mess and how to prevent it. No mention or action items around belief in the real presence of our blessed Lord in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. No mention of vocations. Nothing like that. Just new lay ministries. New beatifications and new liturgical editions of books. Exciting stuff, I'm sure, for those bishops in attendance, but this has gotten some observers demanding that the bishops actually pay attention and remember what their jobs are. They are to be shepherds of souls. They're to shepherd souls to heaven, to preach the gospel of our blessed Lord and stand up for the faith in the world, not align the church with the values of the world, which seems to be kind of what's going on all across the universal church right now. One Catholic theologian, Regis Martin of Steubenville, wrote a letter to the bishops for this meeting that was published in Crisis Magazine. 
I would be remiss if I didn't provide it here for you, so that's what I'm going to do now, on the off chance that a bishop attending the meeting actually watches my little show here. I kind of doubt that any of them are, but you never really know. Crisis Magazine ran this with the title of An Open Letter to Our Bishops. You can find a link to it at returntotradition.org in the show notes for this video, and I would suggest you go give it a read, or you can just go to Crisis Magazine's website and find it in the recent posts there. Either will work. Now, the letter to the bishops by Professor Regis Martin of Steubenville University. Your Excellencies, it seems almost like yesterday that among all the bishops scattered about the globe, it was everywhere understood that care of the soul was the principal function of your office, that God had given you no greater nor more essential task than getting souls into heaven. What must I do to assist the souls entrusted to me, souls for whom God himself suffered and died, to prepare them for a life of unending glory? That was the question every honest bishop needed to ask himself. Alas, like the snows of yesteryear that will not return, it seems no longer to be the case. Other and very different marching orders appear to have been issued. Nowadays, the church sees herself primarily as a service organization, the ecclesiastical wing of some of the most progressive elements in the country, the Democratic Party, for instance, whose ideological fixations might almost be informing her job description. No longer is it the business of the church, her most sacred and necessary work, to lead the people of God through the world to God himself. It's as if the letter to the Hebrews had never been written, which is why in reading the sentence, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come, see the letter to the Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, we more or less shut our eyes to the fact. It is no longer the city of God we are urged to seek, but the city of man, where there is no salvation, but only the flesh pots which lead to death. Why then should we see the church as anything special or unique? Maybe Jesus got it wrong when he told his disciples, You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. See Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It's as if the pilot light has gone out and no one can find the city on the hill anymore. When the church is no longer perceived as an institution fashioned by God himself in order to extend across the vast expanse of space and time, the incarnation of his son, the prolongation no less of his person and work in the world, why should anyone care what happens to the church at all? Why bother to join, much less remain? How far, I wonder, has this particular apostasy spread among you? Are there many of you out there who, having pretty much ceased to believe in the divine design of the church, are no longer disposed to advance our incarnational message? Are you so wedded to the world that you dare not bring yourselves to judge it, lest you appear harsh and rigorous in the eyes of others? When the physician assumes the illness of his patient, it may strike a note of empathy between them, but it hardly helps the patient get well. What advantage can there be to the sinner when his bishop won't tell him to stop sinning? If one wishes to get well, isn't a proper diagnosis in order concerning the extent of the illness? Our only health is the disease, writes T.S. Eliot in Four Quartets. If we obey the dying nurse, whose constant care is not to please, but to remind of our and Adam's curse, and that to be restored, our sickness must grow worse. The whole earth is our hospital, endowed by the ruined millionaire, wherein if we do well, we shall die of the absolute paternal care. That will not leave us, but prevents us everywhere. If many of our bishops have, as it were, gone bonkers, doesn't that amount to our to an admission of despair, that somehow God has abandoned his bride and that the gates of hell have finally prevailed? Certainly among the ones who catch all the headlines, who cause a confusion and grief which the rest of us are forced to endure, there have been defections. 
not openly, of course, nor all at once, but in subtle and de facto ways over time. Some of you have left the deposit unattended. Which, you surely must know this, rather leaves the rest of us with the appalling prospect of a god who, sim who decided simply to drop the ball before the end of the game. Unless, of course, the game is already over, and, well, we just didn't get the memo yet. From such counsels of despair, of course, people of faith must simply flee, and they must cling, if only by a fingernail, to Christ's assurance that he will not leave us orphaned and alone. So why have so many of you seemingly given up? How does one account for such craven refusal to preserve and defend the teachings of the church, teachings which the whole point of your Episcopal ordination obliges you to uphold? Why this loss of faith in the church's mission to sacramentalize the world and thus bring the saving mercy of Jesus Christ to sinners? I ask because if that were the case, the church over which you preside, concerning whose governance you will answer before God himself, would be no different from the fallen world which Christ has enjoined us all to assist him in redeeming. The church's life would be, then be one of complete futility, thereby consigning us all to a state of lassitude and despair. This is not the church Christ instituted in order to help him rescue the world from its bondage to sin and the devil. Instead, it is an entirely counterfeit church, one which no one will be interested in joining, much less aiding and abetting you in trying to shore it up. Christ needs you to be bishops, in other words, which is why he called you in the first place, giving you the grace to fulfill your mission. The world needs you to be bishops. If it is not to go straight to hell, it's to show you the way to heaven. And we need you to be bishops too, which is why we are praying for you. Go ahead and show us, therefore, that our prayers are being answered. That is the letter by Regis Martin, professor of theology and faculty associate at Veritas Center for Ethics and Public Life at Franciscan University of Steubenville. You already know what I think the bishop should be discussing the Eucharist, vocations, people leaving the church, the general slow-rolling apostasy we in the see in the church more broadly. Over at the National Catholic Reporter, writer Sean Michael Winters seems to have taken Professor Regis Martin's warnings about the direction the bishops are taking the church and is, frankly, challenging the bishops to double down on those errors. Specifically, he is demanding that they embrace the partisan ideological position of the victorious party in the recent political debacle in America. He rightly denounces the rumored marketing campaign that bishops likely will be discussing behind closed doors last night for the Eucharist simply because you cannot market the sacraments. And any use of modern marketing schemes isn't going to work to bring people back to Mass, no matter how hard they try. Only the gospel can do that. But the writer then takes a hard left turn into promoting the errors of our secular rulers and demands the bishops embrace their positions on democracy and the recent insane rhetoric about all that that was going on in the secular media, as well as international conflicts and all the rest of it. He makes this demand in the name of Vatican II and a synodal church, whatever a synodal church is. From his article, quote, There is no greater gift the bishops can impart to the Catholic Church in the United States, and no gift the Catholic Church can give to our nation, than to transcend their differences, not obliterating human variety or demanding any kind of fake homogenization, but being true to our name, Catholic, and avoiding its opposite, sectarian. There may be something more important than, be, than being right in every particular. Being together is, at this moment, the challenge to which our faith calls us. As a columnist, forbearance is not my specialty. But for the bishops at this moment, it is a first step towards a more fruitful witness in the public square. Towards a vision of Vatican II of the church as leaven in the world. As it turns out, the Holy Father has given the bishops the means to achieve this. 
with his calling for a more synodal church. People in parishes and dioceses across the country and the world have been listening to each other. They have been able to agree to texts that accurately represent the concerns raised. Catholics have been able to discover that there are more postures available to the Christian than the defensive crouch. We can engage each other and, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, find a unity we could not achieve on our own. That will take humility and what the scriptures call fear of the Lord, end quote. Ah, yes, unity, 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 unity. Francis's tiresome call. Such a stunning article, really. Brave, even. But what it doesn't do is demand that the bishops address the falling away of Catholics from the faith itself, something that is demonstrable in really picking up steam after the parishes were reopened in 2020, at least in the Novus Ordo parishes. We didn't see that over in Tradland, and I don't know what was going on in the Eastern Rites, but I'm sure that the Novus Ordo parishes emptying out is not really surprising anyone. And that solution won't be on the menu of options at the bishops' conference anyway, no matter how warranted it may be. Which begs a question, are the bishops even aware of their commission as bishops? Are they aware that they are to spread and defend the gospel, to stand against the world and its prince in the name of, the Christ, of Christ the King? Do they have the faith? Professor Martin asks rhetorically how far the apostasy in the church has reached within the ranks of the U.S. bishops. It is a good question and one I don't have the answer to, but the fact that these things are not on the public agenda speaks volumes, it really, truly does. Now, what do you think about this? Are the bishops missing an opportunity to address key issues of the faith? What other key issues should they be discussing? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help, as the sharing this on social media. That helps a lot as well. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.